Welcome back everybody to Sogo Wowo. I am here now with Corey Burkett from Medicine Hat Motorcycle Service and he has kindly agreed to chat with us about what it's like to be a motorcycle repair uh, technician and uh, a lot of what it takes to be one, the joys of it and those types of things. So Corey, yes. first question, um, what got you into being a motorcycle mechanic? Well, you know, basically, uh, when I was a kid, younger, watched all these other kids, older kids riding motorcycles. I thought, you know, this would be awesome. I want a motorcycle real bad. Right. Um, but my parents probably could afford it, but didn't want me on motorcycles. So as I was growing up, you know, I uh, watched other kids. I, uh, you know, wanted a bike, couldn't afford one. So I bought a wrecked one, right, right? against my parents' uh, wishes. <laughs> I pushed it all the way across town. I bought this thing for, I think, for about a hundred bucks. And, uh, it was a 1980 MX-80. Nice. And I think I was 12, 13, maybe 14 years old. I can't remember exactly, but uh, bought that bike. It was seized up. Um, I, I took it apart, found out what it needed, went to the local bike shop. They supplied me with everything I needed. Did the machine work for me. I put this thing back together myself. Nice. Um, because it went against my parents' wishes. My, my dad wasn't happy, wasn't impressed. So he said, well, buddy, you bought the bike. That's on you. Right. right? Now it's all, it's, it's all up to you. It's all up to me, right? So fine. Uh, got this bike up and running, and now I had my own bike, and I was riding it around. Nice. And that was, you know, it was it was just so cool to do that. But even before that, I was, you know, fixing bicycles and taking apart stuff and never putting it back together. Right. But uh, the motorcycle thing really intrigued me. My dad was more into the uh, the hot rod kind of thing. Um, you know, he was an airplane mechanic uh, in the in the Air Force. So yeah, it was one of those things where watching my dad and and doing things with my dad and being that guy that held the flashlight for my dad. You right. know what I mean? Learn, learn these things that way. But I always had this, so, this passion for motorcycles. Similar path, but just kind of a different direction. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, he was a man of many different abilities, right? right? Jack of all trades kind of thing. You know, even though he was a, for his job, he was an airframe technician. But, you know, the hot rods, the trucks, the cars, the, the vans, right. you know, anything that had, you know, an engine in it powered. He would fix those things and, and uh, modify those things or tinker with them, whatever, whatever it was. So yeah, same, same, and, but different. Um, he was never really into the motorcycle thing where I was just so intrigued by motorcycles just right from a young age. Right. I hear you. I yeah. love motorcycles. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That kind of answers why you picked this over the other trades as well. Um, what, like, what would you say to the viewers? What gets you up in the morning? What do you love about being a motorcycle mechanic? There's so many things. I mean, it's hard to put, you know, your finger on one thing, but I wake up in the morning because this is a passion, right? right? There's something about um, motorcycles and the motorcycle industry, motorcycle mechanicing, uh, fixing and stuff like that, the riding, everything, everything to do with it. Um, it's a lifestyle. Absolutely. It's a passion. There's a following there. Like we take our vehicles to a, to the garage, right? You take your car or truck to the garage and you no, know, get it fixed, get it done. When you go to a motorcycle shop, it's so much different. There's all these different people um, from all different walks of life, but they have this passion for motorcycling, for riding, for the for the the, the sport, the industry, and everything. And it really is a is a a family, it, right? Absolutely. You know, it's a following. There's you know you can you can group people uh, into different riding categories. You know, you got your your sport bike riders, your you know, the guys that ride gold wings, and some people call them wing nuts, right? Yeah. You know, you got your Harley guys, you got the cruiser guys, you got the speed guys, you got the racer guys, yeah. and men and women, you know, you got Absolutely. the ladies that are, you know, the, they just want to blast down the highway, right? So these groups of people, and there's lots of different bike clubs and groups out there, you know, of course that happens with car stuff as well, but 
in the motorcycle thing, it just seems to revolve around that two-wheel riding all the time, that freedom and that, that thrill you get. So when I come here and I see people like yourself, you're a motorcycle rider, right? Yeah. You know, and all these customers and the people that I get to meet, um, that I get to ride with, that we can, you know, um, all these groups that do so much within the community as well, right? right? Raising money and doing things for all sorts of different uh, organizations, whether they be nonprofit or profit. That's, uh, you know, it gets me out of bed in the morning, it gets me motivated. And even those days where I'm tired, I'm just like, man, you know, get up and go to work. I'm sore. I've been working lots of hours at summertime. I get here, you know, open the door, you walk into this and you see all these bikes here. The smell. The smell, the phone yeah. rings, you know, we start working on the stuff. And, and even though I've been doing it for, you know, I've been here 22 years in this, in this shop, right? right? So professionally speaking, um, I think I'm tapping on that. 30 year mark of doing this professionally That's and awesome. it never gets old you know <laughs> like how many people can say that really that you do something for 30 years and you still you know love it yeah you know and and the 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 industry is changing the bikes are changing oh, and for um, the better and for the better yeah um you know the technology is changing all the time and we never or i never we never here in the shop we don't really see the same thing over and over and over again you know, obviously oil changes and there's certain jobs and tire changes that are the, the same thing but it's always some something different right you know we get to work on all these different kinds of bikes Absolutely. different makes different models different styles and along with that there's a customer that goes along with these things right yeah you know there's a personality that comes with it Absolutely. so yeah. it, it's it's neat you're not just working on this bike and that's it yeah right? there's a person or a personality that's going to jump on that thing and they're going to ride it and they're going to enjoy it and it's not just for work. It's not just for commuting. It could be for, you know, just the passion of it, right? right? There's so many, so many things and aspects of the motorcycle world that, that really, really draws me and many people into it, right? So you're, you're actually kind of helping repair or bring back a, a family member almost in, in a lot of cases. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, <clears throat> there's obviously there's the, the, you know, just the maintenance part of it. We're just going to do maintenance and that's it. There's bikes that really, you know, they, they trade and change bikes every month every year whatever right. it doesn't have any you know sentimental value but then we get these things in here these bikes in here that and it's been in the family for a long time right and it might be you know something really old or maybe newer or not you know or not that old at all but it's it's part been part of the family or you know my uncle rode this bike or my dad rode this bike right. or my mom rode this bike or my aunt rode this bike or whatever right and i want to bring it back up to up to, to being a road worthy bike whatever type it is make gear maker model and that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and we've had that opportunity where something comes in and it's been neglected. It was left off in the off in the corner in a shed. And and they say, you know, like my uncle rode this bike for whatever, however many years, and we found it in the shed. Right. Or my dad had this bike, he doesn't ride anymore. It's like he gave it to me or I bought it from him, or however it goes. Right. And they say, I want to bring this thing right back to pretty much like brand new, at least world worthy. And that's pretty cool because then I can say to that, you know, ask these people, what do you want to get out of it? You know, what is it? What do you want it to look like? Right. You know, do you want to make it like a rat rod? Do you want to make it nice and shiny? Do you want to make it back to original? Right. And we get to be part of that and do that for them, right? And the bonus is I get paid to do yeah, these absolutely. things, right? It's my it's my living. It's my lifestyle. So I can wrap that all together and um, <clears throat> enjoy that part of it. And and who gets to do that in a daily job? Some people don't. They're they're locked into something that they go to. They make their money. And they go home and that's it. That's right. Right. right? And, and my guys here, um, you know, they're riders, they're enthusiasts. They have that passion. 
Um, some are more involved than others. Um, I'm so busy here that I don't get as much riding as I'd like to. Right. But you did ride, you raced. But yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I've had that, the, uh, the riding and racing career, right? Right. I did all these different things within the, the motorcycle uh, sport world. And um, not that I've left it totally, but I've got young kids and now I'm watching them ride. Right. You know, instead of me taking all the glory or having all the fun, I'm having the fun of watching my children ride. Right. right? Passing it on. Passing it on. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and not even just the riding part of it, the mechanical part of it. Yeah. You know, my, my son comes in here. My, well, my son and my daughters, both my daughters. But uh, my son comes in. He's got some projects he works on. My oldest daughter, she's really interested in, in mechanical stuff altogether. Right. right. You know, we're doing a little car project that she's been totally involved with. Uh, we come here to do the bike stuff. And... I'm putting my energy into that, so I'm not into the, the the sport or racing world or riding world as much as I'd like to be. But that's okay because they're doing it and we're doing it together. And as they get older, that's going to change. Where, you know, because they're only 10, 12, and 14 right now. Right. Um, when they get a little bit older, things will start to change there. And I took my daughter for a ride on the on the, the new Goldwing. It's not new new Goldwing, but a new to me Goldwing. And uh, first time she's been on the back of a bike in a long, long time. Because, you know, a lot of these bikes don't have passenger seats. But, right. You know, and she was just stoked. Like, right. You know. Which is awesome, like passing it on, right? Exactly. You know, and, and that, pa and again, that passion. So we get back from that ride, and she was just over the moon that, you know, she got to drive, ride on the back of this bike. And, you know, even though it was a, a 99-1500 Goldwing, I was railing it around out there like Ricky Road Racer, having a blast, you know, and then get on the gas, and these things pick up and go. Yeah. And doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a sport bike like that or if it's a, a little cruiser, a scooter, a moped, whatever, they're all super fun to ride. Yeah. Right. 100%. Like yeah. it's the, you, um, it's the environment that you immerse yourself in, right? Like exactly. you, the smells and the temperature changes and the winds and the, the sounds. Yeah. The whole thing that, yeah, every, everything about it, you know, and, and, um, some people might make fun of this person or that person for having a different bike. When I bought this Goldwing just recently here, <laughs> I posted on Facebook. It was like, I'm going to get teased a bit about this, but I've bought this bike and I put a picture out there because everybody knows me for the, you know, the, the sport bikes right. or even, you know, a little, the motocross stuff, not as much motocross, but the sport bike and racing and whatnot. So for me to go from a, from a, you know, a crotch rocket to a cruiser, you know, that especially like the big Cadillac, like, cruiser. like the big Cadillac cruiser, right? You know, like some people call them a couch yeah. and they are just like, you know, you, you sit on that thing and you put your feet out. It's like having, you know, a lazy boy reading the paper, it's, right? They're nice. And though. they're super nice. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't matter what two wheels you have under you, what make your make model style type. Absolutely. And then, you know, I put it on Facebook and expected to get teased a little bit. Not, not once. And I was really expecting it and not once nobody, said anything negative or bad or even teasing or even poking a little fun at me. Nothing, you know, and I was kind of shocked by that, really. It was pretty cool. I think, well, I think bikers, I mean, they're just happy that you're riding, yeah, right? Yeah, that's absolutely it. You know, <laughs> like we all, uh, at times, you know, maybe maybe uh, at, at a party or whatever, it's like, oh, you're riding that thing. Oh, know? absolutely. But it's just making light of it, right? Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's jealousy, you know. <laughs> sometimes, but you know what? That's what I've learned from the biker community is it's like no matter what you ride, whether it be dirt bike or sport bike or cruisers or you know what I mean? Harley or you Honda. You can talk yeah. to anyone, you know, you know, you're sitting at a pub or a restaurant and you, and you see another biker. You could talk to them just like we are right now. Absolutely. Because yeah. you're part of that family. Yep. Yeah. There's uh, you know, I've been to a lot of different get togethers and different things with different biking um, 
families or organizations or whatever. And yeah, everybody plays nice together. And, and yeah. you know, there might be that that ribbing or jabbing and back and forth between, you know, what's better as a Kawasaki or Yamaha or Honda or Harley Davidson or whatever it might right. be. Everybody's got their, you know, it's, it's that Ford, Ford Chevy Absolutely, argument yeah. or poking fun at, right. You know, and ultimately at the end of the day, we're all, you know, getting together and riding and, and you know, the wind is in our face and off we go. I like to keep things kind of real for the viewers too. So yeah. what would like, we, we obviously know there's some, Great positives, and we're going to touch on them some more. But what are like what are some of the things that you would say would be the worst parts about being a motorcycle mechanic? The worst part about being a motorcycle mechanic, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that there is a worst part. I mean, everybody's got good days and bad days. Right. There's jobs that I work on that you know I'm working on a particular job. It's not even about being a motorcycle mechanic. It's about being a mechanic. Right. You know something's not coming apart the way it should, or or you you know a, a bolt or nuts rusted on there and you twist it off or something stripped in a hole or whatever the case may be. And even that's not a bad day because it's part of the day. It's part of our job, right? That's right. You know, and having the tools and equipment and know-how to repair that problem, you know. So when you run into something that's supposed to be, what gets me frustrated, I guess, the, the, the bad part about it is here's a job that's supposed to take X amount of time. The customer's expecting an X amount of time. Right. And I run into something that's, you know, unforeseen. Right. It's like, oh no, you know, like now it's this an hour, was this was supposed hours. to be a you know an hour job. Now it's two hours, or this was supposed to be easy, right. and it's not. Or you know, I, I've and this is not necessarily from a motorcycle mechanic's point of view, but an owner as well. So I say to the customer, "Yeah, we'll have that back like tomorrow." Right. And then something comes up and it's not done, and they're upset. I'm not happy. Didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but it, you know, it's it's part of the deal. Um, but being the 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 meat and potatoes of the question is that what's negative about being a motorcycle mechanic? I don't think there is anything. Well, I mean, I think you touched on it. It's just being, as I was trained as an automotive technician, and there's just times that things don't go well, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's not that it's a horrible day, but it's like any job. Sometimes things don't go well, right? Exactly, yeah. And uh, if you can make it through those times, then the rest is gold. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. What would you say to convince someone who's kind of on the fence, you know, possibly looking at some sort of uh, mechanic or technician trade, but what would you say to convince them kind of to head towards the motorcycle end of it versus automotive or heavy duty? Well, um, you know, somebody getting into the motorcycle industry as opposed to heavy duty or, or automotive or any of that other thing, other type of mechanical trade um, is this is a lifestyle. Right. It's a, it's a, it's not just a job, it's a passion, it's a lifestyle. And if you enjoy that part of it, this is, you know, the, the motorcycle thing. That's what makes it so different. I, I know there's lots of guys that are in the heavy duty trade and they have their diesel trucks or whatever. Yeah. Lots of guys in the automotive trade and they have their race. hot rods and stuff yeah. and they race and stuff. Yeah. And there's that passion. But um, with the motorcycles, it just seems to be that it's a different environment and I guess the other part of it is we get to work in the shop. We're not outside, you know, we're, we're working on stuff that's smaller, lighter, a little bit simpler, not, maybe not as dirty, not as stinky. You know, we don't have to go out in the field. Um, you know, if you work in a motorcycle shop and get into the motorcycle industry, most of the time, probably 99% of the time, you're working in a controlled environment, right? You know, it's warm in the winter, it's cool in the summer, you know, you got good lighting. And if you don't, you know, get yourself a, 
you know, another light or whatever, or turn another light on. But well, and like you said, like it's smaller, you know, like honestly, you can lift an engine. Yes, most of them you can by yourself, or two yeah. guys can do it. And that's what we do. We don't have right. the engine hoists and dollies and stuff. They're like not that, that dangerous. They're yeah. not that dangerous that way. I mean, we could still lose digits and whatnot from right. putting our fingers in the wrong spot. But, um, you know, when I was working in, the, in, in automotive before I got into the motorcycle stuff, because um, that's the direction I started to go initially, and working underneath a, a car on a hoist in the wintertime, it's dripping snow on you and, and water <laughs> is dripping and then it's cold and, yeah. and everything is, <laughs> and because of the environment the car or truck or whatever lives in, everything seems to be rusty or dirty yeah. or, you know, they don't get maintenance as much. Um, motorcycles, you can polish and wash and, and, and get every, seems to be every nook and cranny. Yeah. And most motorcycles live in the garage or indoors or under cover and they're baby. Yeah, you know, most so of them. Actually. Most of them, you know, and there, there's some stuff out there that's, it's, it's pretty rough. But all in all, you know, twisting yourself under a dash of a car trying to get into some wiring or, you know, being bent over the hood of something or in the heavy duty interest industry and being outside yeah. in the elements all the time working on that stuff, um, you know, that's an awesome job and people enjoy that. Myself, I like to be, you know, inside with that climate control thing. So it's that's a perk or a bonus <laughs> to my job, right? I'm not going to lie, Corey, if, if I was younger and someone like you had a told me those things, I would have probably went to the motorcycle yeah. versus the automotive even. Absolutely. But, you know, the downside of that, though, is that when you're working in the heavy-duty industry or automotive industry, because of the situation scenario and even the risks are involved, the pay is a little bit higher. Yeah, right? yeah, it is. So there's that part of it. But if it's all about money and that, that's that's what you're doing and you want just money, 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 great. But, you know, myself personally, and I can only speak for me, is that, Maybe I don't make as much money as the next guy, but I make a living. Yeah. Right. And, and I, you love what you and, do. And I love what I do. So I don't go home and complain about um, I don't, that I'm not making enough money. I don't go home and complain that I hate my job. I don't go home and complain about the weather. Right. I don't go home and complain of the conditions I was just working in. I don't go home and complain that I've been on the road for, you know, days, yeah. weeks, yeah. or months, or whatever. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I've got that job that, you know, I come here and I, I, I know where I'm going. I know I don't know what I'm doing in the day, but I know that I'm going to be working on a motorcycle or ATV or snowmobile or even a small engine because we don't right. just just work on motorcycles. Yeah, man, like it, it's it's such a cool job, you know. And some of the stuff that we work on, like these, not may not necessarily be cool, but there's some rides that come in here. It's just like look at this, man. Well, this like thing's your, awesome. Your um, not your jet bike, but your uh, my drag bike. Yeah, your, your drag bike, yeah. which is a helicopter. Turbine power. Well, that, that's the jet bike. Yeah, it's a helicopter turbine powered uh, jet bike. The drag bike is in the back there that you've seen today as well. Oh, yeah, right. You know, but, you know, those are mine. I got to build those. That's something I did for myself. But as a motorcycle mechanic, too, is that somebody will come in with their ride. Right. It's just really cool and wicked, and you get the opportunity to work on it. And a lot of times we get the opportunity to test drive them. That's you 100%. Know, I ride a lot of bikes. I put up <laughs> a lot of miles in a year, but not on my own equipment, right? Um, I don't test drive every single customer bike. I don't need to all the time. Right. Uh, customers will ask, you know, ask to have a, a bike test driven or we have to, to diagnose it right. and then do the work and then test ride it again to make sure that we've done a good job and everything's the way it should be. And, um, you know, I'm telling you a little secret. There's sometimes where that part of the job is the, fun, the funnest part of the day. Oh, it's for like, sure. Man, I can't wait to jump on this thing because this is a really cool bike. I've never had the opportunity to ride one. And I can go out there, ride it, and enjoy it. And, and, and it, 
and also get the ideas. Is this a bike that I'd ever want to own? Right. You know, I've had a few bikes that I, my, my dream bike. You. And it came in the door. You get, yeah, you get paid essentially to, to test the bike that you might future buy. Possibly, yeah. There's been some pretty cool bikes came in. There were my dream bikes. I rode them like, eh, that's not what I thought it was going to be, right? 100%. You know, and other ones, other times like, yeah, that's just a whatever. And then you jump on and go, wow, this is, this is cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want one of these. Yeah, right? for sure. So th that's, a, that's the cool factor part of the job. You know? What would you look for? Like, what are you looking for in a new hire? Because um, I always, like, a lot of the people that watch this channel are, they, you know, they're trying to get into the trades or they're looking at getting into the yeah. trades and, you know, they put out resumes, but they, they don't have any experience. And so what, like, how can they, you know, what, what are you looking for? Well, I mean, obviously I'm looking for somebody that has that natural mechanical ability that goes a long ways in, in any mechanics for obvious reasons, mechanical trade. What if um, they didn't though, but they were eager? Well, the eager and, and the good attitude and, and, you know, that good work ethic which is um, show up you know, on time. Yeah. All, all of the above, you know, show up on time, you know, come here with a good attitude, you know, and, and be just ready to go and eager and to try almost anything in a sense. Right. right. You know? Um, so yeah, obviously first thing, good work ethic and everybody you know, would need that. Um, if they have that mechanical aptitude or the, that mechanical knowledge already, or if they just have that, that, natural mechanical ability right and i can pick up on that pretty quick i can see it pretty quick um you know it, then the attitude who wants to work with the grumpy gus all the time oh, right so no, if somebody's that's... gonna come in and, and start working and they're they're just rubbing everybody the wrong way or they don't have a positive attitude and you know um, and i've been in some shops uh, not necessarily motorcycle shops but just shops in general and you've got that person that complains about the job oh i gotta work on this oh i gotta oh man yeah. i hate this job you know, I hate working on that. I don't want to work on it. Makes that. a long day. Makes for a long day, right? You know, so if you can, and there's jobs that I don't necessarily like doing, <laughs> but I'm just like going, okay, uh, one of these, and I'm going to get after it. I'm going to do it and, and, and without, you know, with minimal compl <laughs> complaining, right. right? You know, everybody's going to complain a bit and that's okay. And sometimes venting your, your opinion at that point, but, you know, <laughs> get, get vent it, get into it, do it, right? you know, get it done and, and, and go, right? Well, for example, like uh, I was watching you, earlier and you you did that car rebuild in i would say three minutes or four minutes and for me like i can't stand carburetors right so i don't know anything about them so it when i do work on them I, it literally takes me like all day yeah and the ones that you see me working on today one i just when i'd already had in the ultrasonic tank it was clean pep prepped and just laying there ready to be assembled the other one had just come in and it was dirty and messy so i wanted to get that one kind of stripped down and, uh, you know, get that one sort of ready to go to the ultrasonic because I had some more stuff to put in there today, earlier today, okay. or later today, I should say. Um, but, yeah, those are just single for me because they're just those particular ones you see me do today. They're just single, single, single right. carburetors are very simplistic. There's not much to them. Um, but that skill didn't come overnight. No, you know, of course. That's that, years of experience. Yeah, so, you know, when I got into the trade, um, Carburetors, well, most of the cars weren't carbureted anymore. It was fuel injected. Right. And um, a lot, most of the bikes were carbureted. Still, it was yeah. Pretty new. I think it was like mid 2000s when bikes finally started. Well, to, to get really into like Gold Wings and stuff, they were dabbling in uh, fuel injection fairly early. But most bikes were carbureted. And I had said, and other people in the, in the industry that I was working with at the time said, well, carbs are going to be phased out. Bikes will be fuel injected before long. So to learn about carburetors, 
is a waste of time. Right. Well, right? that's what I said, too. Yeah. So, and, and then um, the service manager at the time, he's like, well, wait, hang on. Do you think you're only going to be working on brand new bikes all the time? More, I mean, we're working on these older 60s, 70s bikes now, and it's the 90s. Right. So do you think you're going to be working on these things in, you know, whatever, 2020? That you're going to only be working on, you know, fuel-injected bikes. And lo and behold, you were working on carburetors and, today. And, yeah, and, you know, and he actually, he, he pushed me pretty good in a sense. And I had this bike that had a carburetor issue. And I had rebuilt the motor. I did the power valves. I did the, this and this and this just for a carburetor problem. <laughs> I mean, I spent a ton of money just over a carburetor problem because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. Then. And he said, here's a perfect example. So I went to his house because we didn't even do it there. I went to his house. We did his carburetor. And I said, yeah, man, I think this is it. This is something I need to learn. And he was a carb. We called him the carb guru. Okay. Right? And um, that started way back then. Now, think of it then, the 90, like it started in this thing, 90, whatever it was, the early 90s. And here we are, you know, it's uh, 2022 and motorcycles are still carbureted. Right. A lot of them are fuel injected, but there's lots brand new today. Right. They're coming out of, right off the, off the showroom floor, carbureted. Right? Which is crazy to me, but it's and, and, it, but it is cheaper. It is cheaper, and it actually works in a motorcycle. Yeah. way it works, there's tunability to it, and there's all kinds of aspects to it. But the point is that it's still there. It's still happening. Right. So here I am, these 30 years later, going, holy smokes! Like you know, it's a good thing I started on this carburetor path in a sense, and I really put my mind and in, in, in energy not just into that, but I wanted to be the carb guru. Right. Right. This guy was a carb guru. He taught me everything he knew. And then when he went to Fairview College as an instructor, I didn't follow him there. I was going to Fairview College for my apprenticeship program. So it was cool that he went there, uh, left the shop that we were working at to be an instructor at Fairview. And he says, hey, Corey, when you come up here, you can stay with me. Okay. And we're going to build carburetors. I'm like, yeah, cool, man, right on. So, you know, go there for my apprenticeship program and had that opportunity, which, you know, that was a literally a one in a lifetime chance. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was lucky enough that I was or smart enough or whatever that he poked me enough to get me into that 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 thing. Well, and seeing how you handle them today, I mean, clearly it paid yeah. off. Right? Yeah, it, it pays off. You know, it's a big part of big part of the industry, but not not the only thing. I mean, obviously, the, you know, there's, and this is I'm going to go back just a little bit. You you asked me about the cool thing about or, the, or to get other people into the motorcycle aspect. In automotive, we would take something apart and send it out, right? right? In the heavy duty, a lot of times they take stuff apart and they send it out. Right. So somebody else does the machining or somebody else does the crank or somebody else does the head work or somebody else does whatever, right? And here in this industry, some shops send a lot of stuff out, but a lot of shops do it all in-house. Right. You can be so localized because the machine, we're doing, the equipment is cheaper too. That That's true too. But we're here in this shop, we do 99% of the work in-house. We do the welding, we do the machining, we do the, you know, whatever it is, right? Soup to nuts, literally. That's we do awesome. it right here. So <clears throat> that gives us, it doesn't make it in a sense, I'm not gonna say boring, but this is where we're not doing the same thing over and over Absolutely. again. Absolutely. And get these new skills as you go and as you grow, right? Like I didn't, when I started, obviously I did, you know, you're going to do tire changes and oil changes. Yeah, and yeah. Now you're going to do valve adjustments, and then you're going to 
you know, and progressively move on. Yeah, but you have to learn the basics. You have to learn the basics. Yeah, you you can't you, you can't run before you you know before you walk. Right. Right. You got to crawl before you walk. And I know a lot of you know, and we were there too. When you're younger, you you want to get you want to get doing that exciting stuff. Right oh, away, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. But without the basics, without understanding how stuff actually works together, you're not going to be able to fix this one because you don't like you won't know this, this part. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Uh, when I worked at a Honda dealership, uh, they put me on this Honda lawnmower program, and I was a first or second year apprentice, <laughs> and I actually was upset about that. Right. Like, man, why am I the lawnmower guy? <laughs> you know, I want to be a motorcycle mechanic. Right. I want to work on motorcycles. I want to get into engines and all this kind of stuff, right? You know, and <laughs> at the time, I was so upset about that, but a lawnmower engine's an engine. Yeah. It has all the same internal combustion internal, engine. It's all the same stuff, really. Absolutely. Just smaller, simpler, you know, yeah. easier, whatever. Um, and to be the guru of the, the lawnmower, you know, and then the guru of the carburetor, and it, it kind of and on and on it goes, right? But to take apart a, the lawnmower, take the cylinder head off, and it still has valves, still has springs, still has keepers, still has yeah. all these things, right? The valve adjustment process was very similar. So the stepping stones of, you know, of the biggers, more, not, not even more important, because the lawnmower doesn't work, the customer's not going to be happy. Right. But the stepping stones of getting to that point. But sure, yeah, when I was first year mechanic, I wanted to build the biggest, baddest, you know, of course, bikes absolutely. that were out there. I wanted to be the, you know, the bike builder of medicine hat. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But the, the reality of that is that, you know, yeah, maybe I had some knowledge and I had some skills at the time, but, you know, everybody's going to start somewhere. Yeah, you have to build from the bottom up. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, and that's what the trades is. Well, blue collar is basically that's what it is, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you you start at the basics and then you progress. Would you hire like first and second years, and what would a first year make, and and what would they do? Like, just we kind of talked about starting at the basics, but what would like to give them an idea of what a first year would actually do as a Motorcycle mechanic. What would they do? Well, the 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 um, the pay scale um, is is set for the apprenticeship uh, program. And to be honest, right now I don't even know what the what the actual percentages are. I'd have to look it up. Okay. Um, but it's it's based off of um, journeyman wage. So whatever the and it doesn't necessarily mean the journeyman wage of that particular shop, but, but the journeyman la wage in this let's say medicine hat because right. the journeyman wage in medicine hat, the journeyman wage in in uh, Calgary or Edmonton or bigger centers or even little tiny towns is different. Right. Right. So the apprenticeship, when you, when you sign up and you're, you're in the apprenticeship program, first year makes a, a percentage of journeyman wage. Right. Second year makes, you know, a higher percentage. Right. Um, now, of course, when, when somebody starts out, they may not necessarily come in and be an apprentice right away. If they already are in the industry and they're an apprentice and they came to me and they were second or third year, whatever it is, I would pay them accordingly to what that percentage was. Right. Now, of course, there's those those people that would, could come in and was like, this person is like awesome. They deserve more. Right. I can pay them more if I want to, right? Right. Or, hey, yeah, they're right where they should be. And, you know, this is the pay scale that they should be at. This is a journeyman wage and this is a percentage we pay them. Right. And honestly, I'd, I'd actually have to look that up to see what it is because I haven't had an apprentice for a long time. Okay. You know, Tim's been with me now for, um, I think, 17 years, maybe longer. So and he's he, and he well was, past the apprenticeship. Yeah, stage. oh yeah, for sure. And I apprenticed him. He, and he came, he came out of the automotive as well. Um, so he was already an apprentice in the automotive industry, and changed gears and kind of you know 
knocked right. on my door and said, you know what, I'd rather do this. This is intriguing to me. You know, I like automotive stuff, but this is cool. So, yeah, I, I haven't apprenticed anybody in a long time, and not because I didn't want to. There really hasn't been anybody that's come through the door that was either, I guess, ready for it, fit the shop or fit the, you know, the environment here right. at least anyways. Um, and unfortunately right now, the industry is very thin um, with apprentices or mechanics for motorcycle mechanics. Absolutely. Well, I think every trade, but especially this one, because every bike shop you go to there, there's like hiring signs. There's hiring for signs. Mechanics, Absolutely. Right? You know, and most of them, uh, unfortunately, they're looking for mechanics or somebody that has, you know, third or fourth year right. experience. So it's tough for the, for the young people to get into the industry with, with little to no skill and walk in the door and go, okay, I want to be an apprentice. But that being said, as you said earlier, and what I've spoken about on previous videos, good attitude and enthusiasm will yep. go a long, a long ways, ways to, yep. you know, breaking those barriers. Right? Absolutely. And I've even said, and I'm sure this would, would go for you as well. Like if, if there was a young person came here like daily for like a week straight, I'm pretty sure you'd start to think like maybe this kid is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know? And, and those, there's been those people out there and I've given those people a shot and um, you know, they either decided that this wasn't the fit for them right. or I decided that, you know, you're not the fit for maybe not, you can be a motorcycle mechanic, but you're not the fit for me or the shop or maybe one of the other people here or whatever things happen. Right. right. So, you know, I've had those guys come in there and, you know, and, and bug me and, you know, Hey man, I really need this job or I really want this job. I'm, you know, let's, let's give you a shot. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, there was even a young fellow that was here that, um, you know, was an apprentice and he was apprenticing already in the motorcycle industry, but he didn't want to do these bikes. He wanted to do different bikes. He wanted to do different stuff. He was okay. more into the Harley, Harley stuff, okay. which is a little bit of a different aspect. Harley's a motorcycle, right? Motorcycle's a motorcycle. But Harley Davidson actually has their own program. Yeah. You can right. get a PhD, right? I, I heard so that's that, that yeah. professional Harley Davidson. Um, All right. So I've seen those programs. Yeah. yeah. So in Fairview College also is where, you know, and they're changing now, but Fairview for the longest time was the only place for the motorcycle apprenticeship program. For Harley Davidson. For, yeah. for, well, for Canada, for the oh, apprenticeship really? program. And they also had that Trev Dealey building there for okay. the Harley Davidson. They called it the PhD. So you could go get that. Now, I inquired at one point in time, is like, can I get that? And I couldn't because it didn't work at a Harley Davidson dealership. dealership. It was Harley Davidson only. That was, and that's, you know, something that was, exclusive to them so this young fellow that came here and he was really his his passion everything was the harley davidson stuff right he wanted to do that and that was it and we didn't work on and i still don't work on a whole bunch of harley davidson's but but he wanted the, to be exclusive to it right and but unfortunately he missed kind of a valuable lesson that you spoke about earlier was working on all these bikes is still going to give you the experience to work on harley absolutely and and he did you know, and, and he knew what his passion was. He knew what his path was. and he Which just, is good. And he went down that path. He right. got the job at Harley Davidson. He did that. I'm not sure how far he got along with that. Um, I, I lost touch with him kind of in between there. Um, but anyways, he did pursue that. And, uh, you know, I hope that he, uh, he got that, that dream job that he wanted, working in a Harley Davidson Absolutely. Dealer. I know and, he was at a Harley dealer And for a while. don't let us dissuade you. Like if that's, if you know that's the direction you want to oh, go, yeah, for then, sure. then go that way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's some guys that only want to work at a dealership, yep. right? At whatever dealership that is, or there's ones that will, you know, like to work at, 
you know, a shop like this, which is an independent. Right. You know, so there's there's um, a lot of range out there for in the motorcycle and ATV. So and, and there's and they sometimes split them up a little bit where it's it's just an ATV off road shop, right? Right. Or it's just a street bike shop, or it's just a you know we're we're only working on this make of motorcycle and that's it. Even though they're not a dealership. But, you know, I worked at dealerships that were, um, like when I started in the industry, it was Honda, Suzuki, BMW at the time. Right. So, you know, that was what they were dealing with and that's what, what they sold. But if a Kawasaki came in for service, we didn't turn them away. Yeah. Right. We still serviced them. So I was fortunate that that aspect of, of the working in a dealership that took on other, other, other models. I, I mean, this is just my personal preference, but I always stayed, like, I actually only ever worked as an automotive tech. I worked at a Ford dealership for a while, and that was the only dealership I ever worked at, and I didn't like it. I didn't like the cookie-cutter aspect of it. I didn't like that some guys, and they love it, and again, I'm not trying to dissuade anyone here if that's what you want to do. Um, some guys, they like they love to do the same thing over and over, right? They do, yeah. And they and they get really good at it, and they can do it really quickly Absolutely. and very well. Yep. And and all the power to them because yep. we need those those guys too. Right? Absolutely, you know. And I have I have lots of friends in in the industry, and and they work at a dealership, and they only work on or they only like to work on that thing, and 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 they're very specific to that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a cookie cutter or assembly line style of work, and they they like it. They fit. So if you like it and that's what you want to do and you get the opportunity to do it, I mean, do it. Yeah. Do it. Well, yeah. it doesn't get any better than that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, myself personally, I just love all of the different stuff. Like there's so many things. Yeah. Me you know? too. And I have, I have some, uh, uh, employees here that the stuff they don't like doing too much. Right. right. And it's like, you know, Hey, can you, they'll take it <laughs> off here, Corey, can you deal with this? Yeah. No problem. You know, and I, I, I deal with it, I get it done, and then I put it back on their bench, and they, you know, install it back on there. It's not that they can't do it. It's not that they're not good at doing it. It's just sometimes they don't want to, or it's one of those jobs that it, it, they're not as experienced at, and I can bang it off fairly quickly. Right. Or, you know, And that makes the whole morale of the shop even better, right? Absolutely. Well, let's be realistic. You don't want someone doing a job that they don't really want to do. No. Because they're not really going to do a good job, right? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. You know, or for the most yeah, part. Like for the most part, they, yeah. they, they might do a good job, but they won't put 100%. Right, because you always got that, you know, that nagging thing at the back, like, I don't like doing this. Yeah, I just want to get this crap done. Get this crap done, yeah. You know? Exactly, you betcha. So, you know, it's probably a really good thing to, when somebody really doesn't want to do something, to pass it off to yep. someone who doesn't mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in some of the other shops that I worked at, not that I worked at a lot, I mean, I only worked at two different uh, motorcycle shops uh, in my career other than this place. But, you know, the one shop I worked at is I, I walked in there and I noticed that they had the, those those people that were, in a sense, that specialist, right? Right. Like, this, this person's really good at this. We're going to give them all those jobs. And this right. person's really good at this. We're going to give them all those jobs. And this, you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah, trannies you know, or clutches. Whatever, or yeah, whatever it was. Diesel right? engines. Exactly, or... yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and then, of course, you have the apprentices, the young guys that they're going to do the tire changes and oil changes yeah. and some of that. Not that, you know, uh, a journeyman red seal mechanic is not going to do a tire change and oil change. Yeah. That was kind of nice for a break sometimes. You know, I was you just going to say that. Yeah. A tire change was actually, I love doing them once in a while because it just, you didn't have to really think. Yeah. You just did your thing. Yeah. You know, it was Absolutely. a nice break yeah. from the pressure. Absolutely. A nice break from the pressure. And, you know, now, now thinking years later that, 
I was upset about the, the uh, you know, the lawnmower aspect <laughs> of it. Man, sometimes I love to work on a lawnmower again, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> it's like, boy, I sure wouldn't mind a break and work on that lawnmower, yeah. you know. But, uh, yeah, so there's so many, so many variables and so many aspects to it, which is it makes it interesting. Yeah, right? yeah. And for somebody up, up and coming and new to it, if they find that shop and they find that groove in that place and they can – you know, find that groove of their own and fit in there. What better thing, right. you know? And even if you know they might go this direction, that direction, and not quite find it, but eventually you're going to end up in that spot, in that shop, in that job, in that industry. Even if it's not in the motorcycle industry, right? You know, whatever you choose a path in life and your passion, and you can go into that and be good at it, enjoy it, wake up every morning and go, oh man, you know, I can't wait to go and, yeah. and, and pull. Or even 70% of the time. Yeah. Even, if you're happy to go to work 70% yeah, of the time, and, and you're it, winning. And it doesn't matter if you're, if you're, uh, you know, putting on somebody's makeup, cutting their hair, Absolutely. you know, putting flowers in a vase, taking a, a big gigantic, you know, compressor engine apart yeah. or these little, the little stuff that I work on or, or no matter what it is, no matter what job, even if you're, a greeter at Walmart. Absolutely. If you like that and that's what you want to do, and you're you know you can make a living from it, and it's and it's your it's your niche, your groove, and you're happy. It doesn't get any better than that. No, no. I mean that is, we spend what seventy percent of our life at work. Yeah. yeah. You might as well do something you like. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's hard when, you know, and that's why we we talk about these things because I want to give an insight to the different things that people you know can. So like a quick, kind of a quick overseas to, to give them an, a, an example, like v let's, let's talk dealership versus independent. Okay. Um, you know, what are the, what are some of the things you're going to do more so at a dealership? What, what are some of the things you're going to do at independent? Like that's different. Yeah. You know, and this might be tough for me in a sense that, you know, I don't want to stereotype or, you know, or you know, shoehorn people into a, a position or whatever. No, but um, I mean, but, dealerships essentially deal in a certain way because yeah. there's it's their so niche, I guess. It's the, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, with dealerships, obviously, they have a a brand that they really want to sell and push. Right. Um, they also, in, in the mechanical part of it, some people have used the word or terms that there's there's mechanics and there's technicians, right? right. You know, and sometimes I think that's some of, somewhat of a bad word or why are we saying these things. But in some of the, sometimes in some dealerships, and even when I was working at a dealership, it was like, I can fix this. Nope, just replace that part and I get know. it out the door, right? And not that that's a bad thing, but there was a part of me as a mechanic going, you know, like that's just that little switch. <laughs> even though it's not necessarily serviceable and we can't get it all by itself because you got to buy the assembly, yeah. I can fix that switch. Nope, we're going to throw that switch on there. And at the dealership, a lot of times that happens. And, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons for it. And it's not that it's a bad thing. but um, Well, I mean, they know, are, uh, like, if they're selling a brand, that brand is essentially liable, in a sense. In a sense, yeah. To providing exactly. new parts and these types of things, Absolutely. Right? You know, and as an independent here, the, uh, the contrast to that is that I can look at that switch and go, I can fix that. But then there's there's a judgment that I need to make. If that switch is a hundred dollars for the whole assembly, right? Right. I'm not going to spend all this time and more than a hundred dollars right. fixing this switch when I can get the whole thing for hundred bucks. Right. But if I can look at that, I can fix that. It's going to be twenty five dollars. I'm going to fix that switch. Oh yeah, or right. at least have a conversation you know, with your 
your customer with exactly that's and it. say like I can fix it for twenty five dollars, or we can put a whole and new switch in too. for a hundred bucks. Yeah. And sometimes right. the customer will say, "No, just put a new just switch. put a new switch in it," and and that happens quite a bit as well. Yeah. Um. You know, the other contrast is I get, or the other difference I guess between a dealership and an independent is that for me, there's as an independent, the sky's the limit. Right. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I'm not forced to work on just this, or I'm not. Not the dealerships always are, but I don't get the pressure from from that. Obviously, if you're franchised, let's, I'm going to use Honda as an example. Right. So you're franchised Honda motorcycle dealer. They want you to push Honda as much as because that's that's the point, right? right. So which when, is a good motorcycle? Which is a good motorcycle, yeah. So you know that's what you should be working on. That's what you should be concerning yourself right. with. You should be pushing everything Honda, 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 and that's a good that's a good thing. That's what the dealership's all about. Here in an in, in, as an independent, I don't have that pressure from. Um, you know, my, my friend, uh, a franchise, right? There's right. no franchise. You telling you, Hey, listen, you got to do this. Hey, Corey, you don't, you're not selling enough of this. You're not selling enough of that. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not shoehorned in that. I can really make the decisions that I can work on pretty much anything and everything. I can, I have multiple vendors that I could use for parts, pieces and information and accessories, whatever it takes. Right. Right. So the door is wide open for me. I'm not really, you know, handcuffed to something specific. Um, and, and that makes in, in and in my daily work in life, that also gives it, you know, there's that excitement again is like, this is new. Right. And, you know, when people ask me, what do you know about this? And a lot of times I don't know anything about it. Like, I don't know. I've never seen one before, never yeah. worked on it before, but I'll tell you what, that, you know, it's a mechanical piece. Um, there's information that I can get from right. guys that I know and people that I trust or, 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 um, sites or information sites that I trust, not just, you know, the internet can be a spooky, scary, and misleading place for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, but I have the, you know, accessibility of some of these sites that I know is like, yeah, this is a site or this is a person that I can talk to, get on the phone, email or whatever, get the information, um, get the parts for that. Um, even in like the, the trade secrets as well. You know, I may know the trade secrets or somebody's like, yeah, I know this guy that works on these things all the time. And I can phone him up or email him and say, hey, listen, you know, I got this thing. And he's willing to share that trade secret right. because he's another, you know, just like me, right? Another mechanic that has the passion for the motorcycles. Right. Yep. Now, predominantly or like more commonly, dealerships usually pay a little bit more because they have the dealer, like they have that entire company essentially behind them, right? Sometimes, yeah. Not you know, and, and then the, um, I guess the drawback is you'd pay a little bit less maybe as an independent, but it depends again on what you want to do. Like if you, if you want to work on one brand, like mm -hmm. that gentleman you were talking about with, yep. wanted to work on Harley's, then yep. a dealership is your place to go. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if you, if you like exploring a little bit more though, and, and want to just see everything, well then an independent, that's probably your, your better choice. Yeah. You know what? And, and I mean, I can't, I can't speak for other independents cause I really don't know what they're paying, but, um, you know, I try to be the same as the dealerships as far as the journeyman wage, right? right. I, want, I want to be the same. I don't want to be, you know, paying my guys less here than what they can make in a, in a dealership because they're doing much of the same thing here that they would do at a dealership and maybe even sometimes more. I don't know for sure, but right. I'm not going to, I don't in this place, I, I, I don't want to or try to or pay less. As a matter of fact, if you have, you know, somebody that's, that's loyal to you and doing that good work and it's worth the money, 
pay them more. I, you don't want to lose them to the dealership or anybody. Never I agree. Well, I'm like in, in the automotive world, I, I found that the independents yeah. always pay a little bit less, right? And that and that could very well be. I, I don't know for sure. And as a matter of fact, you know, I <laughs> I haven't checked in a while as to where I'm at, but I do know that my guys have said, oh yeah, no, I'm happy where I'm at. Okay. Now, are they happy where they're at because of what I have here? Are they happy because of the money or whatever, or maybe a, you know, a combination of, of a combination things. of both? Um, I see your your tool collection back there is absolutely amazing. And that is huge when you're a technician. Yeah, if you sure. have the right tools, boy, it makes your job so much easier. Yeah, you know, and and uh, you know, my employees here, the, the one fellow here has um, all of his own tools. Um, sometimes, you know, he has more than I do in a sense. Like obviously, the shop has, you know, all the specialty tools. I don't right. expect him to have any of the specialty tools. The shop has all the specialty tools. And then I have my box that has, you know, the, the, you know, the normal everyday stuff, I guess, if you will. And he has, you know, we borrow back and forth, right? You know, um, however, Which technicians will do. Yeah, absolutely. In, in any shop, and, and you know, and even the new guys when they come in here, um, I have a box here for them. Here, this is your box. This is what you use. If you need anything else, here's a box over here. This is what they call the shop box, I guess. Right. You know, stay away from his box. Those are his own personal tools. He pays for those out of his pocket. Right. But the shop has these tools. I have tools. I paid for them out of my pocket, but. I own the place. I'm the boss. Right. So, you know, by all means, I want him to use those tools to get the job done and do it right. Right. Yeah. And, and we do have, you know, you've seen back there, we do have a large uh, uh, collection of, of specialty specialty, and um, tools. You know, you have to have a good quality tool for the job. Uh, and it doesn't have to be necessarily name brand everything. No. You know, but in the industry, as a mechanic, and as you go through these things, you learn pretty quick is, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to spend, buy that tool because they're garbage. Yeah. Or, oh, my God, that tool is expensive. I don't, I'm not going to buy that. But then you realize, yeah, it was worth every penny. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, that wrench rounds bolts off real nice. Real nice. You know? <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was interesting when I, uh, when I first got into the motorcycle industry, um, working at that Honda Suzuki BMW shop, the service manager, and I, I rolled in with this small little snap-on, or sorry, pardon me, it was a, it was a was it gray? Yeah, it was a gray, um, gray tools. Right. Yeah, great. Actually, ro roller cabinet. Yeah, they make some decent stuff. I still own it to this day. It's yeah. At, yeah, it's at home. Uh, but anyways, I had this little roller cabinet toolbox, and I didn't have any name brand tools like you know Mac or Snap On or or even Matco or whatever like uh, S. And it was another one is the SKS or whatever they were for tools. I I can't remember, but SK I think. Just SK so. SK yeah. tools. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So. I roll in there with this box and the service manager comes up and he's going through drawers and he's like, okay, yeah, that's all right. And he takes a screwdriver out of my drawer and he throws it in the garbage can. He goes, yep, that's garbage. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, man? That's my tools. He goes, well, you're not going to use that in the, in the shop. And he wrote a list of tools that I needed. And um, it was it was kind of funny. Um, I needed to have a, you know, either a Mac or a Snap on 10 mil wrench. Right, which I, is your most common wrench. Though. Yeah, I had to have a, a Mac or Snap on screw, uh, Phillips screwdriver. Right. Again, most uh, common screw. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, what was another thing? There, there was, there was a few, there, but it was minimal, right? Um, oh yeah, it was the uh, again the ten, eight mil and ten mil uh, Mac or Snap on socket. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what, why? What's the point of this? So I get into this into this job, and I'm doing these things, and the service manager pulled me aside. He says. 
and I took that screwdriver out of the garbage. I put it back in my toolbox, but I didn't use it. He says, now take that. And I just at the time, I happened to buy this Mac screwdriver, Phillips screwdriver. He says, now take that screw out with your screwdriver. Try to take it out. And I'm in there, and it's just not working. I can't get it. And he says, now take your Mac one, and out she comes. Right. And he says, see the difference? I took that screwdriver, threw it in the garbage, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. the, the no-name brand screwdriver. Um, but that, that's where I started, right? I started with those few name brand, good quality tools in yeah. my toolbox. And then every time this, you know, the, the, the snap on or Mac truck came around or, you know, my service manager or the other mechanics would say, Hey, you know, you can go to, uh, at the time Sears had that craftsman line of stuff. Great, hey, great stuff. Great stuff. I have still have some of it yeah. to, the, to this day. Hey, there's a sale on the socket rail. It's good quality, good stuff guaranteed for life. Go buy it. Yeah. Right. And I did. You know, you don't have to walk into a shop with a big, huge roller cabinet full of tools. No, no. You know, and, and I know it's in, in somebody comes in here, we have the tools and equipment already that, hey, here's your here's your box that you're going to use. Um, when uh, when Tim got started for me many years ago, he had a, a, a tool, literally a, a tool cart. He started out with a tool cart. Right. And he had some good tools uh, in that cart. And then it turned into, a, you know, a, a little roller cabinet and then yeah. a bigger roller cabinet and then and so on right but the best part is is again it's like having your ticket is those tools you can keep them for the rest of your life my tools from the automotive repair are still in my garage yeah and i do all my own work still yeah, right? absolutely and that 10 mil wrench that i bought uh, <laughs> all of those years ago is in that one of that boxes back there it's because just, it was high quality yeah and it's still in there yeah you know um and as funny as it, it's the oddball wrench, it doesn't match anything else in the rail. <laughs> and you'd wonder, why do you, why, why do I have that still? And to be honest, it has that outside wall that's just thin enough that it fits other things that some of the other wrenches right. don't fit. Weirdest thing ever. But, and I can't even, you know, I haven't even found anything that Mac makes to replace that thing. I know. Some of them older ones, especially, they, they were thin enough and strong enough that you could get them in that, get them real, in that tight real tight spot. spot yeah. Um, so... I have a I have a question that I asked the, the previous interview, and so I'm like I'm trying to kind of push this, or I guess at least ask people if they're open to it, because I personally, and this is just me, but I personally believe that resumes are long overdue for a, a revamp, or basically um, not even use them in a sense anymore, or use them at least only with like. My, what I would like to see happen is, say someone who's, uh, you know, maybe they, they come from a, a white-collar home, but they want to do work like this, so they don't have a whole lot of background. Right. But what they want to do is they, they want to show you that they have enthusiasm and passion. Right. So right. my thing is, like, a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. you know, you, they do something and show their enthusiasm and, um, and then just send you the link. Yeah. basically for you to watch this video because i mean let's be realistic most people will watch something before they will read something anymore yeah that's a, that's, that, that's yeah, i never really thought about that but it's a good idea yeah and and b is um as we know the resume people can say whatever they want oh, on a resume yeah, right absolutely. they can write anything but if you are on camera and you're doing stuff yeah there's some fancy editing maybe yeah but that will soon come out in the real life interview or you know their first day sure. at work or whatever yeah. right yeah. um and the reason i'm pushing this Corey, is because i i firmly believe in these types of blue collar jobs 
Um, there's a lot of very good people being overlooked because they maybe didn't complete their grade 12 or they um, don't spell that great. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And a lot, like, a lot of people see a spelling mistake on the resume, it's in the guard. But what if that candidate is your like is your best is the, uh, yeah. do you know what i mean I like know what you mean yeah. you, you've just thrown away your best candidate over yep. a spelling mistake yeah so yep. like moving towards something better something um yeah no that's definitely a a good idea i never even get you know gave it any thought at all and with you know today with uh, you know cameras that are like this or cell phones that do this kind of stuff and yeah you know and everybody seems to have their you know that the ring light with their their, their, yeah, their yeah. cell phone that does you know such good video and editing and so on and so forth. Yeah, you could actually, you know, I never even thought of it that way. If if somebody sent me a, you know, a, a video or YouTube style um, resume, right, of doing something themselves or or whatever, you know, and and well, then you get even a feel of their personality. And yeah, uh, you would. Yeah, that's you know? that's a that's a great idea, great concept. Probably been you know probably out there for some people it, it they i've been actually like it is becoming more and more predominant yeah. even for the bigger corporations yeah. because yeah. they're trying to figure out how to get over this resume hump too right it's yeah. a thing that's been actually from what i can research but resumes are essentially almost 100 years old if not a little bit over 100 well, years yeah, i think it was in the mid-20s honestly yeah. when they started doing those types of things to get yeah. a job and of course it's become more so yeah. It's a little outdated, is what I'm saying. Oh, right? you're, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, most of, the, most of the hiring that I hear going on, um, especially Medicine Hat, Medicine Hat's you know, a pretty small, tight-knit community, and, and it's not even what you know, it's who you know. Absolutely. Right? And that, that I've seen is more powerful than anything, but that doesn't always work because you don't know, you know, some people don't even know you're, or you're new to the city or whatever. So Myself how, included. Yourself included, yeah. You know, so you get into the city or wherever you go. Right. If, if you don't, and some people are pretty quiet and reserved and not Absolutely. a lot of people know them. They don't have that big social network that some, some others do have. Um, but yeah, here in Medicine Hat, um, and I can only speak from, from my own experience here because I've lived here for a while now, that it's not so much what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. You know, and that gets the foot in the door for sure. Um, so what would you do if you didn't know that person? And what would you, you know, how would I know um, if, if a person came in here, how would I know if, what they're about if nobody really knows who they are or knows right. them or I don't know, obviously I don't know them or maybe I do but in that sense that, yeah, you know, here, here's a, here's a YouTube link and this is a, here's my YouTube resume. Right. That would be, that w I would be like, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, I mean, I think honestly a, a two minute resume would, you'd get to, sense of that person a lot better than just a piece of paper yeah yeah maybe five minutes or five minutes yeah in, in two minutes you, you know you start to get the gist pretty quickly yeah y yeah you know? i mean you don't want to run it too long because people lose their, you, focus. Well, they lose their focus for sure yeah so yeah and, you know maybe you know two three minutes or something like that but um you know what i mean and yeah. or to go at least with the resume put a link on your resume to yeah. you know the reason i like because like i said there's there's people that um you know maybe they don't have anyone to to uh proofread you know maybe they're just they're by themselves and they're new to this town and they are yeah. literally just trying to make it yeah yeah right and sure. so they miss that spelling mistake and but they could be the best darn worker you've you're, had you're absolutely years. right i get resumes here and they you know and I, I don't throw them out for spelling mis mistakes but sometimes they're pretty dry and there's not enough on there it just looks 
boring and it's not exciting and, and really it, it you know, <laughs> not that that person is boring and not exciting but the resume like you said it's outdated yeah it's like you know i read something like yeah okay that, that's great but, but now what right right you know um yeah you can phone references and, and and do that which is 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 good and i would i would uh, think that that would be part of a uh, you know a youtube type resume is like you can contact or a link or whatever yeah yeah here's a link to you know uh, my references or whatever yeah. right whether they be personal references or job references that's a great idea. You definitely get more of a feel of that person, um, a better feel of that person in, in that environment and, and watching a video. Yeah, I mean, and then of course, like one of the other things I too like want to try to push is not that I'm against education by any means and, and like keep being certified as a mechanic or going to get a degree or whatever path you want to go, right? Mm -hmm. But for the people that say didn't, maybe they have a grade 10 or grade 11. Um, like they're still good people oh, yeah, and they're sure. still smart individuals. But Absolutely. what I think happens to those individuals for the most part is the school system that we have currently doesn't, they don't fit into that system. And so yeah. by grade 10 or by grade 11, they, they want out. Right. Yeah. And it's not because they're unintelligent or, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah, unmotivated exactly. yeah. or, but they do not want to be forced in that learning environment. They learn by watching or by doing or, yep. and so I'm really trying to promote that as well as like, if you had a video resume versus like, do they have a grade 12? Well, first of all, like, can they read and write? Yeah. Can, can they add yeah. and multiply, yeah. you know, basic math, basic, basic stuff. Yeah. Then, then that's really all we need to, you know. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but obviously, in 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 Alberta, if you want to get into an apprenticeship program, you need a grade twelve. You need your GED at least, right? Right. So not that you can get your foot in, at least you get your foot in the door for the job. But that would be not having and and and, and you're absolutely right. You don't have to have an education to be a, a a high school education to be smart. Right. But unfortunately, you have to have a high school education to get into the apprenticeship program. You have to have a high school education to do, you know, certain things in within this industry. Right. right. You can get get into the job, yeah, get hired to the job. But, but that, it would be a deterrent for me if somebody came in and said, you know, hey, listen, and I guess it would be a reason why did you why did you not complete your your schooling? Right. Right. And if it was a legitimate reason and made sense. Well and some like, yeah, you know, yeah, come on in here and, and get in here. But the, the the thing would be is like, yeah, you know, you got a job here. But if you're going to apprentice through me, you're going to have to get your GED. Which I bet you, though, I've, like most likely those people would be much more willing to do at that time, yeah. knowing full well that it's going to push them. It's going to you know, get them into that next step, into the paperwork. Well, well where they want to be, Yeah, for right? sure. And, you know, and it's not just because I have a, you know, my, my, my certificate on the wall. That's only worth its weight in paper. That's it. It's only right. a piece of paper. Um, cause I do have those, those guys that I went to school with, those friends that I, you know, I stayed in contact with and, um, you know, they've got their journeyman red seal certificate on the wall and, um, they're not very good mechanics, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, they, they picked that path and they just, you know, for whatever reason that wasn't, it wasn't them, it wasn't where they're at. Um, and they just not really that good at it. And, right. you know, I've, I've stayed in contact with some of them and, and it's kind of funny because there's one particular guy, a really good friend of mine, super cool guy, super nice guy, and he tried real hard. 
know, from shop to shop to shop, and he just couldn't keep a job. Right. And it wasn't because of his attitude or it wasn't because of his, you know, his enthusiasm. It was because he's just not a good mechanic. Unfortunately, well, right? you know, some, so like I was never supposed to be a doctor, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he's doing something totally different. Um, so he is a red steel journeyman mechanic that I wouldn't hire, right? <laughs> you know, because he's just not a good mechanic, right. right? Super nice guy, you know, very intelligent. You know, he's got a lot of cool skills, but you know, mechanicing is not his. Right. Is not his forte. Is not his skill. But we talked about that too. Like that's okay. Like yeah, yeah. go do something else, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and, he, and it took him a while. I mean, he even, he phoned me because he'd been run out of so many different jobs. And, you know, he phones me, he says, man, you, you want, can I come work for you? I'm going to move from Edmonton down here. I'm like, well, what's up? What's going on? And because of some of the shops that, that uh, he was working at, I knew these people because some of these people, we went together. We went to Fairview College and did the apprenticeship. And because of racing and other things, we bump into each other's right. tracks and talk and whatnot. So I had this conversation at the racetrack in Edmonton with one of his coworkers, and he says, man, I love the guy to death. But, yeah, if he has a wrench in his hand, take it from him, you know. <laughs> he's so, dangerous. Yeah, he's dangerous with a wrench in his hand. Just, if he has a wrench, take it away from him. All right. So, yeah, and I was like, well, he's thinking about coming down and, you know, working for me. He's like, oh, man. You know, he's, he, yeah, if he's going to be out front or maybe a parts guy, great, but just yeah. don't put a wrench in his hand. So, and, and he did change. You know, he finally realized that that that, that wasn't his thing. And he changed into something else. I'm not sure he was last time. It's been a while since I've talked to him, but he's he's gone on other other ventures. And last time I talked, he was super happy, super excited, stoked that you know, hey man, I'm gonna do this. It's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, you know, cool, go for it. Yeah, because absolutely. you're not a very good mechanic, yeah. right? Uh, well, that, and, brother, but you're not. And, a good and even mechanic. if uh, even if he was, and he wanted to try something different, you know, all the power yeah. to you, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to figure it out some way. Um, no, that's this has been great. Corey, and I appreciate you taking the time to sit yeah, with us yeah, yeah. and uh, give give our viewers, uh, you know, kind of an insight of what what what's fun and awesome about being a motorcycle mechanic or technician, and why you know why have a look at it. Why take a look at it? You know, if if you yeah. feel like you like motorcycles of any type, maybe motorcycle technician or mechanic is the um, the career path for you. We thank Corey and Medicine Hat Motorcycle Service yes. for taking the time. We'll, we're putting up their contact information right now. If you need anything serviced or repaired, Corey is definitely capable of doing it. Um, he's in the in the back there. He's got every type of brand of motorcycle that I and am I got aware a, and I got a good team as well. You yeah, know, I've got a good team of guys here that that uh, you know take care of things even if I'm not the guy with the hands on the stuff my guys back there absolutely um, he's got a great star rating on Google uh, this is the place to come to get your stuff repaired so thank you Corey we no appreciate you. you sitting with us well thanks for thanks for coming yeah no it was my honor so uh, <laughs> see you guys on the next one